This is the Ultimate Advisor Podcast, the podcast for financial advisors who want to create a thriving, successful, and scalable practice. Each week, we'll uncover the ways that you can improve your referrals, your team, your marketing, and your business operations, helping you to level up your advising practice, bring in more assets, and create the advising practice that you've dreamed of. You'll be joined by our hosts, Brian Sweet, who is moving fast towards a billion dollars in assets under management. Brittany Anderson, the driving force for advisors looking to improve their operations and company culture. And Dre Redfern, who can help you systematize and automate your practice's marketing to effortlessly attract new clients. So, what do you say? Let's jump into another amazing episode of the Ultimate Advisor Podcast. Hello and welcome back. Brittany Anderson right here with you with a special guest that I am chomping at the bit to introduce. So we're going to get right to it. Uh, today I have with me Joe Lander. Joe is a former practicing attorney and law firm partner also a former HR manager who led three major divisions in a global Fortune 500 company and was a certified financial planner and financial coach with over 18 years experience in the financial services industry, during which he helped business owners, professionals, and executives manage over 50 million in assets while planning for their future. Joe's now the owner and CEO of The Life You Love Coaching, which empowers successful, heart-centered business leaders who crave more than professional and financial achievements to create a unique personal legacy that makes a meaningful difference in the world now and for generations to come. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brittany. It's really great to be here with you. Well, we heard high level from your bio, uh, kind of a, a taste of where you've been. I want to cut to the chase and then back into what makes Joe Joe. So yeah. the reason that I wanted to bring you on, you and I have been in conversations about how synergistic our messages are, and you have created a, an entire platform that really helps people to live out their legacy in, in an interesting and unique way. So Joe, can you share maybe a little bit about your program and why people should be tuning in right now? Absolutely. Be happy to, Brittany. So, you know, it, coincidentally, I actually came across, I was, I was doing some morning reading, you know, after morning meditation, doing, doing the morning routine thing and came across this quote. And I was like, whoa, you mean I'm not the only one who thinks like this? And the quote was from this book called An Interrupted Life. And what uh, the author, uh, what she says, and, and this is someone who lived actually during World War II, obviously some pretty crazy times. Um, what she said was this, I don't want to be anything special. I only want to try to be true to that in me, which seeks to fulfill its promise. And I read that and I'm like, whoa, that's it. That's how I, that's what's gone on my entire life, no matter what role. And as you pointed out in my introduction, I've obviously been through a number of different career changes and, and different roles. And always the question is, is this fulfilling on, as she put it, my promise, my purpose, my why? 
it is, there's a lot of different language for this, but it's really about um, for those who feel like maybe they're meant for more and uh, ask themselves, uh, am I doing all I'm here to do? And I always ask that question, whether I was sitting there in the law firm or in the or in my financial planning office or in the corporate, I was always, can I see this being the rest of my life? And even if I could, if, if I say, well, wouldn't be so bad being a lawyer the rest of my life, or hey, I really like the lifestyle and, and what I do as a financial advisor, is this really it or am I meant for more? So I developed ultimately this whole approach towards helping people really figure out what's the legacy, but not a legacy as in a bequest of something that's left after they leave, but something that they can live into now, a living legacy that brings fulfillment and joy and uh, meaning to their lives now, but that is so true to who they really are. And it does end up making such a difference that it lives on, it, it becomes like timeless. So this has always been a theme in my life and has brought me to the point where now I'm actually living that legacy of helping others create and live their unique, personal, impactful legacy that will turn them on and have them um, juiced up to, to do not only what they may be doing professionally, but realizing they're doing so much more. You know, I, I love the idea of living your legacy now. And, you know, this is something that we've talked about, uh, you know, amongst our clients, amongst our different communities, uh, you know, in entrepreneurial groups, like this is a conversation that's happening more and more. And I think the fact that you've actually built a full framework around this is, is what makes it so magical. It's not just an idea anymore. It's an actual process that people can go through. And yes. I, I want to highlight this, Joe, because I think we can almost back into a few different segments here. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about some of our, our clients that might be tuning in or, you know, even just general population that's thinking about, wow, this whole notion of being called to more, you know, maybe they've just come off of a, a really long career, a successful, busy, bustling career, or they've just sold their business and they're kind of looking forward going, wow, I'm really excited about not having to go to what I used to go to every day, mm -hmm. but what next? So right. when you think about your framework in particular, uh, how would it apply to, to those people? And then I'm going to back into a, a part two of this question. So let's, let's go with the, the person who's just retired, the person who's just come off of their business and yeah. what your process looks like for them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the folks who I call are transitioning or have transitioned into the next act. What I have found is that so often they are so used to being identified that it's weird to even think of like, okay, what's next? I have found personally to be ineffective. Um, it doesn't end up making the long-term difference of really like the epiphany and an aha that that has someone say, okay, I'm ready for the next to really live into this, what I've what I've identified. So what I did was I created a way for me to be there on the journey with that former business owner or executive and to really pull it out of them and make sure they're fully equipped with not only the insight and the epiphanies, but the tools, both internally as well as the resources to tap into 
around them to actually fulfill on it. So it's not just a feel-good conversation and a, and a pipe dream and, and some sort of a wish list. Mm -hmm. And I call the framework Resolve. First of all, it is an acronym for each of the steps that I take folks through. I love that it's about resolve. Like you're resolved to actually live into what you've sensed is, is what's next and what's more beyond just, you know, the initial time of where you just want to do nothing, hang out on the beach or play golf or do your thing. You know, I, I get all that, but like, all right, what's next? And, and resolve to make that happen. You know, Joe, you said something interesting a, a moment ago, and you were talking about how, you know, if people are, you know, working out of a journal or kind of trying to go about it on their own, that the success rate is not super high when they look at creating this next level of fulfillment, how important it is to have, you know, and I think about somebody like taking another person by the hand and saying, come with me. Like, I know the way I can show you the way and, and I can help you actually get to where you want to go, how powerful that is. So I would be curious in your experience, where have you seen people really get stuck, uh, maybe kind of get in their own way? And how do you help them to, you know, overcome those barriers or those challenges? I love that you picked up on that. In, in fact, what you were pointing to in terms of being there with them on this journey and equipping them, I, I actually have to credit one of my clients, you know, kind of interviewed him, like, what is it about our relationship that you value? And what he pointed out was, and this is a, a, a former director, a high-level executive, he said, you know, there are different mentors or coaches that you may come across on your journey. And it's like, the difference is, they, it could be a, a transaction. You know, there's a certain thing that happens, you have a certain engagement and that's it. And they've given you their stuff and now you're left with it and do your thing. He says, and that's a transaction and that's okay. He said, but what I like about what we have is that you're on the journey with me. You stayed with me and you've given me tools to help me self-manage so that I can be successful on this journey ongoingly, uh, not something where it was just a one and done type of a thing. So that's really important, an important element of it. The third segment of the overarching themes of, of the Resolve framework, and it's what I call um, the importance of conquering the ills. What are the ills? Well, ills stands for inevitable imagined limitations. They come crawling out of the woodwork typically right when you have that great vision of what you want to do next. And then the ills come crawling out. But wait a second, maybe it might not work out. And I'm so used to being so successful in what I do that even the thought of not nailing this and really having it be as successful as I'm, as I'm, my heart is fluttering as I'm thinking about the possibility of it. But if it doesn't work, I don't know that I could live with that. That reptilian brain that wanted to keep us safe from the saber-toothed tigers we always talk about, doing the same thing in, in modern day. It's coming up as fear. So it's how do you overcome those imagine limitations, some often others refer to them as those limiting beliefs that 
naturally tend up because they're there to try to keep us safe, but in reality end up more often than not keeping us stagnant. You know, I think there's, there's so much power to what you just talked about there. And, you know, I, I said going into this, that I had kind of a two-part question right there. And my next was going to be, you know, a little bit more geared towards the business owner, the one who's still very active in the business. And you kind of indirectly answered it already. So I want to I, I want to push on kind of another element here. You know, I think about the 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 business owner or even the entrepreneurial journey, and how we often cannot help but find new shiny objects, things that catch our attention, things that we get excited about. And then you kind of get to this point where you're kind of dipping your toe in the water and maybe a new venture or a new business or a new collaboration, new relationship, whatever that looks like. And Brian and I have talked a lot on our, our Dream Architect Life podcast here about how, you know, you can be so excited about something and all it takes is a couple of naysayers to completely throw you off track. So this really applies to anybody that's listening, whether you are actively running a business, whether you are a new retiree, whether you are, you know, working consistently still, you know, it really doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. You brought up something. I, I wasn't planning on it going this direction, but I'm glad it did. Uh, you brought up the naysayers and how it, it can really stifle your growth or your ambition towards something that you feel called to do towards that maybe next level growth. So can you talk a little bit more about that, Joe, and maybe how that might be remedied in, in your uh, in your experience or from your experience? Because that can be a really tough topic. I think um, a lot of that has to do with, you know, anyone can go to, say, a workshop. You know, one of the gurus out there that runs this really amazing type of a weekend getaway retreat and jumping around and you're getting all fired up about things. Bring that inspiration and have that continue on out into your life and into the world. Aside from what we talked about is ha about having strategies to overcome your those limitations. Before you can get to the part where you're even overcoming the stuff that starts inevitably coming up for us, we're human after all, um, is what's the base? Is it really something that just hits you in a momentary inspiration? Or is it something that is really based on um, what your life has prepared you for, whether you're realizing that in this moment or not? So what you're pointing to, Brittany, is actually getting back to um, the first two of the kind of the simple steps of the resolve framework is how do you sit down first and really get what I call your legacy vision? It's a guided kind of a visioning exercise, which I equate to two things. You've got to be an anthropologist and you've got to be an imagineer, you know, like the Disney Imagineers. What do I mean by that? In this context is you're going to look back in your life and look for those key points and those key aspects. And you start being able to connect dots and see certain patterns that are actually informing what is the practical like vision that you have of how you want to be living life at this, at this new stage. Then you've got to also bring in the imagination, just like an imagineer uses imagination in a 
very particular way. And that's the start. And that's, that's a, an important part of the process. That's not just like a, okay, in a moment uh, of inspiration, but really uh, having that prompted and brought out of you that then leads you to the secret weapon. I think it's so interesting, Joe. And I, I kept thinking as you're talking there about how uh, the, the word imagination and being intentional and, you know, I think about, you know, intentionality is really important to me personally. And mm -hmm. I, I think about so many instances in my life where I had this vision and it's interesting. I was just in a conversation with a friend of mine the other day talking about this, how I've literally been able to envision something in the future that I really want in my life, be it, you know, my family, be it our home and how, how it is today, you know, whatever it is, I'm able to have this vision. The journey to get there may be an absolute mess compared to what I thought it was going to be, but the end vision has held true. And, and so I, I often wonder, Joe, people that struggle with that imagination, because not everybody are inherently born with that. I, I, I know that I have great dear friends that are like, I just can't do the imagination thing. I can't do this whole visioning thing. It's like not even how my brain is wired. So yeah. for somebody that maybe struggles with the imagination component, with the visioning component, what are some practical or tactical tools that they could use to help maybe open that gate a little bit to help them lean into the future for those that are not wired so much, maybe like me? <laughs> where I'm constantly in the future, where my husband's like pulling me back saying, come back for a minute. We got to be here. <laughs> so for those that maybe struggle a little bit with that futuristic vision. Uh, I, we're kindred spirits in that regard. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all, Brittany. Um, I have a spouse who has to reel me in <laughs> frequently as well. It's balance. It's, we need it. Otherwise we're living on planet who knows what. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because as, as you were posing that question, like, is it like, um, you know, um, dream board or vision, you know, visioning tools. And while, while I certainly believe in incorporating tools that make it come more alive, I think that too often that could just be an empty exercise because the first part was not done properly. And what's the first part? being that anthropologist first, you know, and, and the analogy I use is based on like this quick little uh, story or, or, or like learning kind of a fable of how these two fish are swimming upstream. And all of a sudden this other fish is comes downstream and, and is passing them and says, uh, the water's beautiful today, isn't it? And keeps swimming on. And then the, one of the fish turns to the other after they've been swimming for a bit and said, what's water? Like fish are so used to being in that environment. They don't even have a concept of, it's just become such a natural part of their reality. They don't even have the distinction of water. And I think what happens is, is for, for us as human beings, we get so entrenched in our everyday life that we don't even take the time to actually notice, wait a second, what is my reality? And then looking at what actually got me to this point, what are some of the you know, key moments, you know, milestones and, and parts of my history? That's the first step towards starting to point to, wait a second. Yeah, I, I actually remember, I always thought about that. 
or there was this element. And it's those types of ahas coming from the anthropological uh, excavation, if you will, that starts to form and inform now the vision of, yeah, I, that's actually what I've always had in me or that that idea excites me. And now I can run with imagining that more and really flushing that out rather than starting with this blank canvas and being told, okay, go imagine this amazing life, you know, really tough to do. Yeah, it, it, it can be. And I think and even honestly speaking, you know, I, I make the joke that, you know, I'm constantly in the future. I, I really, that is how I live and I have to be intentional about being present. This is a real thing. But I also think that your whole thought process there and that whole methodology of, you know, really reflecting back and, you know, kind of looking at the different stages of life and where you've come from and how you've gotten to the next level, you know, that, that have it all. And it can be hard or difficult once you feel like you've gotten to this point in your life that you kind of always imagined indirectly or always aimed for or had big goals for, however your brain is wired, whatever words resonate most with you, you've gotten to that point. And it can be hard or difficult to really think about that next level growth because oftentimes it, it's, it's, in my opinion, um, it's not necessarily the struggle of the vision. It's who you have to become to get there that I think can scare people off from really pursuing what's possible for their future. So Joe, do you have any just comments on that in general? It really is about what you're pointing to brilliantly, Brittany, is the idea of before you can have, and even before you can do, it's what? It's who, who are you being? And the being part, for some, it can be scary. And, and I, I used to have this little uh, quote. Uh, yes, I still do have it. It was actually from a fortune, a fortune uh, cookie, rather, that says, uh, personal growth lies within the unknown. Courage permits you to explore this space. Mm. So you're really getting to that of, of saying, are you willing to First, take a moment um, and figure out what it is that you actually, um, who are you? What is it that you really believe? Um, because ultimately, it, ultimately, it's your beliefs and that that will determine, and you and I are very familiar with, with distinctions around these drivers of human behavior and of uh achieving the results we want in our life coming from where people think it's all, always about the action. Let me figure out the strategy to get there. And what you're pointing to is, no, let's stop. Let's determine really what you really believe, because that will result in you um, thinking in a new way and then having uh, all sorts of feelings associated with that new a way of believing and of seeing yourself and who you're being that then actually drives the kinds of actions that lead to the results you're really looking for. So excellent point in terms of that it, it, there is some inner work. There is some, I don't want to call it inner work. There is 
taking that time to first really um, observe, do some excavating of your own core beliefs. And really, that is what I call the secret weapon, what I call the legacy or purpose activator. And by the way, that harks back to what you were saying before. What do you do about the naysayers? Well, I dare any naysayer being able to pull you off your path when you've done that inner work and you've realized what it is that you really believe and what you're committed to, that to somehow deter you or push you off, off the track, um, you, you have a level of clarity and confidence that is um, just, it's inspiring to you and to those around you. Those are such beautiful, brilliant points. And, you know, I think about the term core belief and, you know, for those of you listening in, if you struggle with, you know, we like to call it the woo woo, the warm fuzzy, the, you know, the thought of legacy in that way, the thought of purpose led living in that way, intentional living in that way. If you struggle with that, if you really just boil it down to this notion of what you just said, Joe, of, of the core belief, you know, when I think, for example, with my own legacy, if I am modeling and showing my kids and future grandkids and family and friends that, you know, fear should never stop you, that you can become the next level of yourself, that you're never done growing. I, the, one of the, the phrases I cannot stand more than anything else is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's like, well, you can, if the dog is willing. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think about that and I'm never going to be that old dog who's unwilling. I might be that I old know. dog at some point, but I'm always going to be willing. I'm going to give her the old college try. So for me, that's really a core foundational belief is that we are always capable of even more and of bringing a, a better version of ourselves or even better version of ourselves to the table all the time. Uh, so yeah. I'm so glad that you pushed on that kind of core belief notion because I think that gets skipped over. And I think it's so often the foundation of any growth, of any truly impactful decision that we make in life. So I, I'm really glad that you pulled that out there, Joe. That was really good. And it actually harks back to when I was uh, when I was in my last several years as a financial advisor, and at that point, really used the title of financial coach. Well, the way we defined it was that a financial coach starts with the question, "What is your true purpose for money? That which is more important than money itself." And we would take people, and I used to love it, and I did workshops around taking people through that question. What is, how do you determine what's what's really your true purpose? Not only for your money, then I started realizing it could be the true purpose for your life. And um, I hit a point where I realized, you know what? I don't want to then shift the conversation over to the academics of investing and how not to, you know, get, uh, you know, uh, side swiped. Uh, by maybe well-meaning but misinformed guidance, uh, you know, in your financial life. Like, I didn't want to spend the time anymore reviewing portfolios as to whether they, whether they should be mirroring the S&P 500 or not. I, I realized all I want to talk to people about is what is the true purpose for their money and their life? And that's what put me on the journey uh, several years back of becoming what I now call myself as a, a legacy coach, I believe 
that living a life you love in which you're fulfilled by a purpose that makes a meaningful difference in the lives of others now and for generations to come is accessible to us all. I think that is absolutely amazing. And I'm so glad that you shared that story, Joe. It's so incredibly impactful. Now, I'm guessing that there may be a few listeners here that are like, I, I got to check out this guy a little bit further. So, Joe, if somebody wants to get a hold of you or wants to learn more about how you serve or what you do, uh, how do they go about doing that? Uh, best way, the place that has the most resources and most information and even and an opportunity to connect is simply go to my website, which is thelifeyoulovecoaching.com. And we will make sure that that is in the show notes here. So uh, Joe, when we get close to wrapping up episodes and you have already so graciously and candidly shared some of your own journey, but I would be curious to know. Uh, when was a time that you faced true real fear and you overcame it and didn't let it stop you from going after what you wanted most at the time? Well, merely two things come to mind. <laughs> One is actually a physical uh, experience. And it was about, I was rock climbing and uh, I had never done anything like that before. And I was with a group of, of other men and we were challenging ourselves, you know, come on, we can do this. And I remember when it was my turn and I started climbing up, okay, so far so good. And then I hit this point where I'm like holding on to this crevice in the rock and I'm realizing as I'm looking for another foothold or handhold, there ain't nothing nearby. So I'm holding on now, like clutching to this surface of this side of this mountain. And I finally notice that just beyond my reach is something that I could grab onto. And what I realized was it meant that I had to, for a moment, let go of where I was at. And that scared the you know what out of me, especially out of fear of heights. And I realized I can't just stay here. I can't go back down. I really have no choice. I've got to make the leap. And I just, boom, went for it, grabbed on, held on, and then was able to make the rest of the climb. That experience has stayed with me ever since. That was like, I don't know, close to 20 years ago. Um, when I think about just staying where I'm at and, and, and the whole idea of what you brought up earlier in our conversation of being scared to move to something new or different. And that's where I was at actually when I, I realized in a previous position in financial services, I found myself that all I was doing was chasing money. It felt like in order to, to live the lifestyle and create the financial security for my family, it was taking activity that started feeling as though I was really chasing the dollar. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that. I didn't like who I was becoming. I didn't like who I was, what I was obsessing over. And um, I reached a point where I said, you know what? I spoke to someone. I started getting into mindfulness meditation. And I started thinking, you know what? Maybe that's what I got to do is bring this idea of being more conscious and mindful of your life to corporate America and to professional service firms. And I'll be like that really cool dude who gets to lead 
these mindfulness meditations and exercises. It didn't feel like it would sustain me in the long run, or it would for a while, but then what? What happens if this didn't work? And I was, I was petrified. I had uh, two children that I was, you know, having to put through college and uh, mortgage, you know, all the stuff that, that we sometimes call those golden handcuffs. I stayed focused on that. I knew I had to live a life that was more than I couldn't settle for just making money. I had to feel like it mattered. And I was fortunate enough to then find the, the, that next and last portion of my financial service career where I was able to latch on to a new approach that had to do more about educating people and taking them through exercise on discovering their true purpose for money in their life. And that allowed me to continue on and earn what I needed to and save what I needed to so that when I was really ready to then take that all to a whole new level of a coaching career, I was ready to and able to. But that was that, those were some scary months when I realized I couldn't stay where I was, just like I was on that rock face. I couldn't stay where I was, but it felt like such a leap to get to where I want to. And I, I just was so stubborn, so convinced that it was at least possible that I stayed with it and ultimately was able to make that work. And I'm so grateful for that time of my life now. Well, I am grateful for that time in your life as well, because it got us to this conversation and you can tell you're truly doing your heart-centered work. And that's part of the reason why we wanted you on the show in the first place, Joe, is just because you truly do lead with that, that genuine sincerity and you want to help people. And I think that's why we're so aligned because I know I can speak for Brian, even though he's not in this conversation right now, he's also a, a heart-centered uh, individual. And that's why we create what we create and why we do what we do. Uh, the money kind of comes secondary and the support and the, the guidance that we're able to provide is really what comes first. So I can so appreciate that, Joe. Yes. So I, my last question to round us out here is I, I can't help but point out if anybody's tuning in on video, uh, you have this plaque behind you that says dream, which is so stinking aligned with who <laughs> we are, with how we serve and the message that we put out into the world. So I would like to know what dreaming big means to you. My dream it really is to live a life. I, and I start with, I go back to a cornerstone book for me um, by this former hospice nurse, Bronnie Ware. I have no doubt that you've come across her book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. You would think those would all be on the list and in one shape or form they are, but I couldn't believe what number one was. And the number one is... I wish I had lived a life true to myself instead of the one that others expected of me. So that drives me to a dream of living a life to do with whatever is within me to fulfill on that promise that I mentioned in the, in the first quote I shared with you all and to uh, really impact others' lives to live their legacy. And through that, my dream is that since I can't do all the amazing things that Brittany and Brian and your clients all could like that musters up that that fires them up. If I in any way, shape or form contribute towards them 
moving forward with it and being successful in their legacy vision, then in essence, my legacy becomes part of these multiple legacies of making the world just a, just an incredible place filled with so much beauty and love. Joe, you packed it with so much value and grace. And for that, I am so grateful. Thank you, Joe, for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. And I respect everything that you and Brian are up to. And I, uh, I, I know that your clients are in great hands. And I look forward to continuing our journey together. Awesome. Uh, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you right back here next time.